Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. James, let's 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 do the opposite of how we started the show. Let's go back to Friday before we dive into the debacle of last night. Going back to the Siakam stuff. Uh, by the way, Kings got a great win against Toronto that was all but completely erased from everything but the record book last night. Um, got a great win against Toronto, uh, but the conversation certainly was how Sham Sharania said as we were wrapping things up on Friday, hey, it looks like the Sacramento Kings and the Toronto Raptors are fully engaged in talks surrounding Pascal Siakam. And then about an hour later, uh, the Kings and the Raptors have ended conversations. And then Sham Sharania talking this morning uh, about... I have to apologize. The deal centering around Harrison Barnes. And so we've got all that, James. And as we've learned here during the show, we've passed along to the audience. I'm sure you're you're aware of this as well. Uh, at least part of the reason this all fell apart was Siakam told Sacramento he would not sign here. And that is a big reason why this all fell apart. In addition to... While Shams used the term centered around Harrison Barnes, we learned that like, maybe Harrison was involved, but he wasn't actually the centerpiece of the deal. Yeah, that's a lot. So I, I haven't uh, been up to speed on everything as far as like what's in the deal, what's not. But I certainly, I mean, there were some murmurs last night while I was uh, at the arena that, it's possible that Malik Monk's name had come up in mm -hmm. conversations in, in this potential trade, but I haven't heard that specifically myself. I it's, it's something that had been brought up as someone else had heard that and it, it's not my source. So I'm not, you know, going to run with that as much as I would say, you know, that's very possible. Um, it's, it's plausible because, you know, the, the package that includes Kevin Herter and, you know, Harrison Barnes and Davion Mitchell, that's not that enticing mm -hmm. right now for a lot of teams, especially for a team that's trying to reset their roster at like 21, 22, 23. Uh, that, that's just not something that like jumps at you and says, okay, I got to make this deal. And that's not to disrespect Kevin Herter or, or you know, Harrison Barnes or, uh, or Davion. It, it's just their market value isn't, isn't high enough to go get a two-time all-star, even if he is on expiring contract. And so, um, you know, that's where draft capital comes in. That's where, you know, all the other negotiations that come in at this point, like what are the Kings trading for? How long can they 
keep him uh, a player like Siakam? Um, how much does he want as an extension? These are all questions that have to be answered before you really want to jump into a massive deal like this because I, I think I explained to you guys last week, if you do make this deal, there's there's no way to recover if he leaves via free agency. You don't have the, the cap space to go do something to even replace players like Barnes or, or Herder or Davion. You don't. You, you might be able to replace one or two of them but certainly not the group and it would really put you in a weird cap space. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, maybe it's better. The Kings do just move on. If he, if he's not interested in signing here, the conversation's over. Mm -hmm. uh, that's just the way it, it goes. James, we had talked about that um, hypothetical earlier and I said, I wouldn't hesitate to do it. If, even if he said, I'm not interested in the sign. And one of the reasons and I'll, we just have a conversation about it. I think those pieces that you'd be giving up, I think they are replaceable. You know, worst case, and I've already mentioned Trey Lyle should be starting at the four. So you're not losing a, a starting four. He'd still be here. I'm saying if Siakam was gone, and I think I said Barnes and Davion. I didn't put Herter in there. But Barnes is already being replaced and moved to the bench. Um, so you're not missing a whole lot there, in my opinion. Davion is a guy that a lot of people feel shouldn't be in the rotation right now because uh, so like say Siakam left, what are you what are you really losing? Well, I, I get what you're saying, but there's a difference between having Harrison Barnes and Kevin Herter and Davion Mitchell on your roster and not having them because no matter what, you do have to replace them. You have to replace them with something and. You know, we're talking about, you know, 15 to 18, 19 million dollar players, two of them. Like those guys are valuable pieces, whether they're playing right now, they're playing well right now in the Kings rotation or not. Mm -hmm. You know, that's that's a whole nother discussion. Um, and whether Trey Lyles is, is, you know, good enough to displace uh, Harrison Barnes in the start, starting lineup. I mean, that's your opinion. Um, I'm not sure that that's an opinion shared by by Mike Brown. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I get what you're saying. And I, and I do think that there are, you know, different ways to build, fill those voids, but just salary cap wise, it's very, very difficult. You know, remember we, we got to, was it last, uh, it was leading up to free agency, right? The Kings didn't have anyone they could actually trade leading up to free agency. They had, like there literally was outside of Malik Monk and Keegan Murray and Demonis Sabonis and De'Aaron Fox. They didn't have, Oh, and of course Kevin Herter, they didn't really have people under contract to go actually trade for somebody. And that was a huge issue. If you were to give away these players, you kind of be in the same spot where you don't have any cap space with them gone. And then you don't actually have any trade ships to actually move, whether Again, they're viewed as expiring contracts or only a year and a half left on their deal type contracts. You know, you get to next year's trade deadline and you filled up your roster with a bunch of league minimum players and maybe one mid-level exception player. And if you can get uh, Malik Monk to come back on on the early bird, then you've got him. But that's a that's a big risk to take, even if it's just looking them at, at these players as like salary to use in a trade. So 
Do, Again, I, I get what you're saying. Do, do me a favor, James, because you, you have a better understanding of how this works to me. Why wouldn't you have cap space? Because you freed up the Barnes contract and the Davion contract. You brought back Siakam. He didn't sign. So where does that money now go? Like, shouldn't you have those contracts that are no longer on your books available to, for some type of cap space, whether you're taking back contract or getting, I don't know, a mid-level guy or something like that. Like, what? why wouldn't they have cap space in that situation? Yeah, so the way the cap works is the Kings have, like, the cap is going to rise to, like, 144, maybe $145 million next year, right? And if you take away the players we're talking about and the players who are free agents on the Kings roster right now, the Alex Lenz or, or JaVale McGee's, the guys who have signed one-year deals, all those guys, if you just look at the core without Davion, without uh, Harrison Barnes and without Kevin Herter, the Kings would drop down to like 115 million. So on paper, it looks like you have 30 million bucks roughly to spend, mm -hmm. but automatically you have a cap hold for, um, for Malik Monk. So, and that's at like $12.8 million. So there goes, you got to back that money out of, out of your cap space. And then the mid-level exception is at about 12 million bucks. That also is a cap hold that you have to back out. So now that's 24 of the 30 million. Mm -hmm. And then on top of that, for every open roster spot you have, which in this scenario would be like four or five, maybe even six or seven, it you have to put a, a league minimum cap hold of 1.1 million bucks. So if you have seven open roster spots, that's like 7.7 .7 million bucks. So now your 30 million is zero, but you're actually in the negative already. And that's just with being able to retain Malik Monk, sign a mid-level exception player, and then fill the rest of your roster out. So that's why, I mean, when you have a player like Demonis Sabonis and you have a player like De'Aaron Fox who make, you know, both of them are going to make upwards of, you know, 35, 40 million next year. Um, and then you have rising contracts like Keegan Murray, and, and some of the other contracts that the Kings have on their roster, uh, it eats up that cap space pretty quick. Even, you know, a guy like Chris Duarte, I think, is on the hook for six million bucks next year. Now, that's not to say that the Kings couldn't, like, start trading other pieces and clear up some more cap space or rescind their their uh, mid-level exception and pick up that 12 million bucks. And all of a sudden, you might be able to get up to, like, 18 to 20 million bucks in cap space. But it's not that simple. Uh, you know, and, and we're talking about, or realistically, we're talking about two rotational players, like whether they're playing that well right now or not. I mean, those guys combined for over 60 minutes a game last season. And even this season, they're still well over 50 minutes a game. Like that's a lot to replace. And then Davion on top of that. So yeah, like there are ways to, to build out a roster in this scenario but you also are running the risk of taking a tremendous step back and not even having pieces that you can go out and make trades with. And that's, that's tough. Monty needs to call the Dodgers. Yeah. Figure out, figure out how they work that out. Yeah. It's a little different in baseball. Maybe see, I can't take a million dollars <laughs> defer. Defer. Yeah. Defer, defer all of his payments until uh, 2030. Um, James fans, understandably, have reactions to games like last night where man I hope this I hope this wakes Monty make wakes Monty up I hope 
I hope Monty knows he has to do something after a performance like this at the Golden One Center. Um, I'm pretty sure Monty is of the belief uh, he needs to do something um, or should do something for this team to you know, get into that category of, of being a contender. But until that's done, this is what we have. What is this team, James? I would like to like tell you that I know. Like I've covered a lot of teams over the years, uh, most of them bad. And I don't even remember really, really bad teams having this type of erratic play. And and not only that, not just erratic play. Like I've covered a team that, you know, lost back to back games that were just like, holy cow, they got smoked. And I've lost I've covered teams that have lost seven or eight or nine in a row multiple times in the season. But this team like there's no way to put your finger on what's happening. Like, how do you go behind? How do you drop down 50 points behind your opponent on your home floor? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I felt so bad for people who paid money to watch that yesterday. I don't even know how, you know, like I, I have a buddy who I, I mentioned this on the insiders earlier who texts me that he spent 700 bucks on tickets for him and his family to sit by, I assume lower bowl. Maybe they brought a couple of friends, whatever. But 700 bucks just in tickets and no Zion Williamson, which that was like one big thing that wasn't who one big player who wasn't who didn't play. But then for the Kings to just not show up at all, you know, it's embarrassing. And this is a trend that has happened so many times this season. We're looking at 10 losses by double figures and a whole lot more than that by by 15, 20 points. That's just I, I, again, I don't know how to put a finger on the erratic play that that are the Kings. And here's a weird fact: they're still considerably ahead of where they were last year. Mm-hmm. I don't know considerably anymore, but like they didn't get to five games over 500 until January 15th last year. And that's so right now they're at seven. You know, if they take care of business against two really bad teams that are coming up. That puts him nine games over 500. No, don't start projecting. Don't start projecting. (laughs) I I agree. It's just bizarre that you can't like, there is no way to, to know who's going to show up from one night to the next. They got a back to back with Detroit and Charlotte. Yeah. I don't know if the Orlando game was a nut. Was the Orlando game the second night of a back to back? Yeah. Cause they, they got blown out by Charlotte or beat up by Charlotte in the first one. I don't know. I mean, so because because of and here's what we we've tried to figure out throughout the whole day. Because they're erratic doesn't necessarily mean they're bad, right? It means they pro- probably aren't like a contender or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. But I think we get frustrated because we don't know what team's going to show up and that is frustrating. Yeah. Like you can't hang your hat on something. But would you agree, James, this isn't a bad team. It's just an inconsistent team. There's a difference, in my opinion. No, I I totally agree. I totally agree. And the other thing I I keep bringing up is it's not like they take, like, one step forward, two steps back. It's always, like, two steps forward, one step back. Like, again, the wins over Orlando and who's the other team they beat last week? Oh, and Toronto. Those are really good wins. Mm-hmm. Like they are. I mean, they're not like the cream of the crop, but those are long, athletic, young teams that play hard or physical. Those were good wins. 
But for as much as those were good wins, a, a loss to Charlotte missing one of the worst teams in the league, missing four starters, it's just you can't do that, especially at home. I mean, that's, again, that's inexcusable. And then, you know, to lose to New, uh, to New Orleans, okay, they've got your number. I get that. But at least make it competitive. And I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen something like this at all. Like, like, again, a team that loses, you know, nine in a row is just flat out bad. I mean, we can all agree. And I, many of those, those teams that were just, they're just not talented enough. This team has plenty of talent. They show up against really good teams. And other games, they just, there's nothing there. They're a shell of themselves. And everything looks out of sorts. And so, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to like piece it together because it doesn't make sense to me as someone who's watched a tremendous amount of basketball over the last, you know, 14, 15 years. Ham's analogy of, Two steps forward, one step back is how they inch their way to seven games over 500. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, that's how you get to seven games mm-hmm. over. Like, if it was one step forward, one step back, they'd be like two or three games. But they'll do it for like two games and then have Charlotte loss. And they do mm-hmm. that enough. And instead of being three games over, you're seven games over. Yeah. I'd like to, I'd like to tell you there's some rhyme or reason to what's happening here, but there just isn't. And until they figure out sort of that identity crisis that they're under, then I really, I, you know, it's hard to say how good this team can be or, you know, what their, their ceiling is or anything else, because clearly they can beat anybody outside of like Boston. I don't think they can beat Boston. Um, and we'll see Philly and Milwaukee on this trip. And you may say the same thing. Yeah. I'm going to need to see it no, to believe it. <laughs> yeah. This season they, they've beat Denver. They've beat, uh, They've beat Dallas. They beat uh, Minnesota beat at home. Minnesota. Oklahoma at, City. Yeah. At their home. Oklahoma City, they beat a couple of times. Phoenix, they beat a couple of times. The Lakers, they've beat a lot of playoff teams. So it's not just this, you know, it, and it can't just be matchups, but I don't know. I, it, it's it's definitely alarming at this point. And I honestly, at this point, I, there's a lot of guys in that locker room that are just, you can sense that, they know that there is trade talk going on, that they may be part of it. They also know that like the Kings are looking to make a move now. They're not they're not looking to wait around. Um, even like the the deadline being February, February eighth. Like if they could make a move tomorrow, they probably would. Like this is a a group that wants to not only make a move, but make a move that gets them that solidifies who they are right now and helps them move forward for the final 40 plus games of the season, 50 games of the season, they're not waiting around. And, uh, and so that also, it puts a different stress in the locker room because a lot of guys in there are looking around wondering, you know, how many more games they have left with that group. And it's not a, you know, I covered Marcus, Marcus Sorton was, he's the example that I always give, but like, I, I swear that Marcus Sorton, like his hair would start to fall out during, trade deadline time he couldn't play at all he was so like the it was anxiety and just stress and he wasn't even mentioned most of the time in trades (laughs) it's just that whole season it can get to some of these players and other people just handle it like all right well this is the way it is like i know it's a business and if i'm here i'm here and if i'm not i'm not um but you know I, i think we're seeing that it's affecting some of these players in different ways will it continue to um, particularly uh, with guys like 
Kevin Herter, who you just desperately want to to get going again, for guys like Harrison Barnes, whose name from now until eternity will be referenced in trade talks. Like for the rest of his career, his name is going to be referenced in trade talks just because and, – and, and I know that doesn't feel like a, a compliment, but he's a guy who can fit on so many teams. He's a guy who can help contenders. He's a vet who can help young guys. Like he's a, he's a player who can do so many different things, particularly at this stage of his career. But, you know, Casey and I were talking about like it feels like that that, that all-in thing – Boy, it was prevalent last year, and now it feels like maybe, maybe we got a foot in. Maybe, maybe we're dipping our toe in the water. February 9th, we're all in. <laughs> right now, we're just going to dip a little toe in the water, and it's just the, you know, the the vibes are off. And can guys like Herter, Barnes, guys who have kind of been up and down already this season, can they recover? Because there's a <laughs> James. The trade deadline's a freaking month away. There's a. Yeah. It's not like it's next Thursday. Like there are a ton of games, long road trips, tough games at home, tough teams. There's a lot still here in front of them before this deadline gets here. Yeah, you can't take your foot off the gas. And I mean, like we always hear, like 82 games is a marathon. It it's very true. It's a it's such a long, brutal stretch. And things like this, things like trade deadlines, trade things like rumors, it really does unsettle what's happening inside a locker room, you know. And so, it's it's their job to be pros and to push push the outside noise out, and to move forward as a group. I, I think a five game road trip is probably what this team needed right now. Uh, it's one of those things where you go out on the road and you try to get yourself like back together as as a as a team. Try to have you know dinners together and and go do things together as a group and hopefully that leads to you know some camaraderie on the court uh and and just kind of holding together while this thing you know like sometimes it feels like it's falling apart but i'd even say like look this team is still seven games over 500 like any other year outside of last year kings fans would beg for this to be the problem you know to to be in this situation that you're in right now where you you're a legitimate playoff team. Everyone in the league knows you're a legitimate playoff team. Now can you add another piece or two to get yourself over the hump? And that's why I always I hate using like we get into these conversations all the time about uh, you know like the the transactions that could happen, the the trade rumors, all these things. And there are to- there are human lives on the other end of all of these things. And it doesn't feel good to these guys, you know, I, like right now. If anyone out there thinks Kevin Herter wants to miss shots, you're just wrong. Like the guy wants to succeed. He would love to be part of this team for a long time. And he would love to figure out why he's, he's, you know, he can't find the bottom of the basket, but you know, this stuff like this, like all these rumors and stuff, they impact, impact that. And, you know, it doesn't help that you're already feeling a little off now you're you're off and you're looking over your shoulder the whole time and not wondering whether the coach is going to pull you but you're wondering whether you're getting pulled into the GM's office at any time mm. and again it's just a it's an awkward thing that i don't think there aren't many businesses like this in the world where you know your boss can just walk in the door and say hey sorry but you're not even going to a, a different city you're going to a different country we've sent you to canada 
good luck up there uh, playing for the Raptors. And that's, it's just a reality of, of the NBA and the difficulty of what these guys go through. Stacy tried to trade me to Kansas city earlier and they demanded I'd come with that. Bennett's fries. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That was, that was, that was the key. They really, that. they really wanted the fries. Uh, let's come back. I, I, I could see a thought in you. Hold that thought for one second. Cause uh, I know you and James like to cook. So we'll come back. We'll talk much more uh, with James Ham uh, about Kings basketball. We'll talk. Yes, about that game yesterday, and more importantly, uh, the road trip ahead and what these next couple of weeks look like for Sacramento. And while we're here, go blue. Yeah, the uh, Michigan Wolverines. If you'd like to hear the Michigan Wolverines win their first national championship since 1997, tune in here to ESPN 1320 as I fully expect them to beat Washington by a minimum of three and a half scores. Sure. That's coming up here uh, at the top of the 4 o'clock hour. We're back with more with James Ham on Sacramento Sports Leader ESPN 1320. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. James, you need a third guy on the insiders because hey, I've look, about had it with these two. I don't even know if I'm rich enough, <laughs> uh, make enough money to be in this room right now. It's fact. That's why I sit in the producer's room. I'm I'm still doing the show on air. Guys are ridiculous. We got another mic for you, Casey. Thank you. The producer's room. Oh boy, guys are big money. We're we're close. We're close to getting Kyle in the main room. That's what I I keep hearing. Mm. We're almost there. Where Kyle is going to join me in in studio? What is it? Studio two? Yeah. Who's who's studio? studio, Who's sitting in studio one? This is running itself. (laughs) No, they're they're making it so he can run the show from the board right in front of you. Oh, very good. Very good. Yeah, okay, that's, I that's like the it. Plan. I like it. So I'll switch over and I'll be there in in uh, Casey's seat. Okay, and he'll be in, and then we won't have all those adjustments to make it. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. Yeah, two we'll, sets of we'll see though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, the evolution of the insiders. Love to see it. Love to see it. Love to see it. Uh, James, uh, I've just a lot of Kings talk here today. Trade deadline a month away. Uh, we had the Siakam rumors from last week. Like, let's say hypothetically that that is just a a a a a, a call that 
Monty McNair is not willing to answer anymore. Like we've been down this road with Toronto. I think we've got enough intel to believe they've been down this road with Toronto a couple of times. Mm. Uh, let's just move on from dealing with Messiah Jerry. Where do you, James Ham, the general manager, turn your attention to next? Yeah, I mean, there's going to be deals out there that we don't know, right? There I are hope so. Be players, there are <laughs> going to be players so. that that we we aren't looking at that we haven't like centered on that uh that could become available right um i also i think that the kings are probably going to go back to the uh the kyle kuzma discussion and, and see if there's any way to get him out of washington you know we've heard that there's potential for him to be available uh although the asking price of two second round picks i mean two first round picks seems a little high um but he's still a player who makes sense and the way that if i'm the kings and i'm looking at that as a potential move um i don't think he's as good as pascal siakam uh, but i do think he's a year and a half younger uh he's under contract for another three years after this year on a declining scale deal that pays him like 23 and a half 21 and a half and 19 and a half million so basically he's half the price of any deal that you would have to that you would have to pay Siakam. Mm. And so all of these things, like I, I think there's also an added bonus that if you were to somehow make that trade, that you could potentially make it without Harrison Barnes being attached. And next thing you know, you've got Harrison Barnes as like your third or fourth forward in a in a mixture with Keegan Murray and Trey Lyles. And you know, so all of these things to me make a lot of sense. Uh, now, whether the Kings can get that done or not, I don't know. Um, you know, again, they they had a deal for him once before where they're trading Buddy Hill uh, to the Lakers for him and, and Montrez Harrell. They talked to uh, his people during the offseason, for what I know, and like had worked on a deal, a potential deal for him to come to Sacramento before he chose to go back to Washington. But uh, he's the type of, you know, long athletic uh, three, four that can rebound, that can score, that can play some, some defense can shoot the ball a little bit. And he would make a lot of sense as like a long-term pairing with what you already have without disrupting everything. And, uh, and he's also a player that if it wasn't working out a year in or two years in, it's not like you couldn't go move him, his contract, a declining scale contract, for a guy who can average between like 18 and 23 points a game is really, really solid. He basically has the Buddy Heald or uh, Harrison Barnes contracts that the Kings signed during the Ken Catanella uh, era where it's declining each year by 2 million. What do you think the, uh, what do you think the percentages are that nothing gets done? Hmm. I think they're pretty high that something gets done. Um, I don't know what that something is. I mean, I, I hope that they don't do something silly. Like trade a for panic. a second round pick. <laughs> yeah. That's I don't think we're going to see like the Kessler <laughs> Edwards thing, right? Like, that's it. That's it. There, there, there it is. There, there it is. J, J, the Kessler Edwards deal. That's, 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 <laughs> yeah. what I, that's what I'm feeling. I don't even think we're going to see like what was the year before where they traded for DeLon Wright and Mo Harkless mm -hmm. and Terrence Davis. Uh, maybe that was three years ago. I don't see that like small of a deal. 
I think that they're actually going to try to to add like a rotational piece hmm. and preferably a starter, someone who makes your team much better. And, you know, I, I think that, that there are options to do that at both the shooting guard position and one of your forward spots, uh, especially with Keegan Murray's ability to play the three or the four. Hmm. Yeah, I'm leaning towards minimal. Not not because in, unless and this is this is the important part. I mean, mm-hmm. starter. No. Okay. Well, no. At the rate that that two position is going, maybe I don't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But for me, nah. I I uh, I don't think it. I don't think a starter. I don't think the Kings are getting acquiring a starter. Um, hmm. I. But but to what James just said, there's something out there we're not talking about. Like it's always the the loud deals that I'm like, oh, guys, I don't know, mm-hmm. but there's something out there that we're not talking about. Something that's maybe off our radar. Maybe it's on a wish list, but we feel like it's far fetched. Maybe that, maybe that's out there, yeah. but I have no clue who it is. Yeah, it's tough too because you're always looking for the other partner. Like, right? It, it's not just what do you have to offer. It's you know, do your thoughts align with another team? And that's not usually easy to do. You know, you, you really have to, you have to mine the entire NBA for a team that might need a starting shooting guard or might need shooting more than they need a defensive player. And so you've got this and this to offer and they have this and this, you know, you got to find a team that's, you know, in the case of like, if you're going to move Harrison Barnes, it'd have to be a team that is already good and wants to, and needs a fifth starter to help maybe get them over the hump. And, you know, and they are, they're willing to, to move player X and, and Y because they don't fit in the rotation or something like there's, there's always like motivations and contracts and play styles and all that stuff. And you got to find just the right partner. And so I, I don't think it's as easy as people think, and it's certainly not as easy as just throwing a bunch of names into a trade machine and seeing if it works financially. It's it's Who usually no. a lot more complex. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a, it is a lot of who says no. Like, it's complex. Um, and you also have to remember that part of that calculus is who the player is on and off the court. You know, it's, it's what they mean to the team already. Um, it's some of the the players that you have on your roster might go to management and say, Hey, we would prefer this player doesn't get traded, mm. you know? And so these are all things that, you know, like I, I don't think the Kings will entertain trading Malik Monk. I don't think that that's even a possibility. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I'd make him as quote unquote untouchable because he is on a, a, a you know, a contract that's expiring at the end of the year. And you could lose him without the ability to go out there and retain and and resign him, but um, you know those are things where you got to look around and say, hey, how do we how do we keep this thing together? How do we build on what we already have? You know what Monty said: maintain and um, I can't remember what is maintain, maintain and, improve, and, right? maintain and, and improve. improve. Yeah, yeah. So they they've got to find. I think right now they're maintaining. It doesn't feel good, but maintaining nonetheless, they need to find a way to improve, and that's not always easy. You want to talk about yesterday? 
I don't know if you want to talk about yesterday. <laughs> Not really, but I'll it's ask okay if you, you don't want to talk about yesterday. Let me. I'll ask you a broader question. De'Aaron Fox hit the first three. He hit the first points for the Sacramento Kings yesterday, mm-hmm. and that was it. That was it. It wasn't De'Aaron didn't make another field goal. De'Aaron didn't score again. He didn't yeah. even get to the foul line. What, you know, we, we we just had the, I'm sorry, what game was he, uh, Orlando? The the game where he was really bad and Malik Orlando. took it home. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because he hit the, at all that, De'Aaron hit the game winner. Mm-hmm. Or what, what turned out to be the game winner. So you just kind of had that game where it's like, De'Aaron ain't going to have another one of those. He had, not only the worst game of the season, this had to be his worst game in uh, as a pro. This Since was, his rookie season. This was yeah. bad. Um, mm-hmm. What the hell? That's the question, James. What the hell? What is this, is, 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 you know, when stuff like this happens, there's speculation De'Aaron's hurt. Is he tired? He didn't get to the foul line. Is it the Pelicans? Was it the flow of the game? Like, what was less about Sacramento and more about De'Aaron? What, what was De'Aaron yesterday? Yeah, I mean, I think we saw it all three games here of the three games in four nights. He didn't look like himself on Tuesday. Wednesday, he really didn't look like himself. Uh, wait, let me think. My my days are all messed. Yeah, Charlotte, Wednesday, Orlando. Yeah, Orlando. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. So, like, there in were Toronto those games Friday. where, yeah, he didn't look like himself at all. And he is beat up. Like, he, he came to the podium one night. And it took him, you know, an extra two seconds to get up the stairs. So you can tell right now he's walking a little straight legged, um, which he tends to do when he's hurting. Uh, I don't know, you know, like just overall he's beat up and that's to be expected. I mean, the guy's been basically averaging 30 points a game until, you know, early this week. And now he's down to like 28.3 because he's had a couple of stinkers, Mm -hmm. but like he's been carrying the weight of this team for the entire season and it's while they've been waiting for guys like Harrison Barnes or, you know, Kevin Herter or Davion or name that player, you know, Trey Lyles missing the first 13 games of the season didn't help. Like while he doesn't play De'Aaron Fox's position, he can take the pressure off of a player like Fox, because if that second unit can stay out there a little bit longer and can carry can carry a little bit further that allows Mike Brown to not go back to De'Aaron Fox all the time. And so like, look, I, I think we all know that there's going to come a point where he was going to have to take a few games off or where he, he was going to slow down a little bit, but then he'll surge again and he'll be right back up to where he was. I just think that this is a stretch where he's gotten, he's taken some hits and it's really tough to maintain your body for 82 games when you're the guy who has to take on so much of everything that's happening. It's also why I think Mike Brown has been using Malik Monk a lot more to try to shoulder some of that weight while they've been playing together more and why he's been taking over as like a lead guard. Uh, And I also think it's why De'Aaron Fox has sat back and shot more threes, especially recently, because I think he's just like, it's been probably two weeks of him being a little sore, a little beat up and not really wanting to run inside and get uh, knocked to the ground again and again. So you hope that it's just a momentary thing where he bounces right back and gets his legs under him. Um, But a five-game road trip that starts off with a back-to-back, 
it's really not an easy way to do it. And, and again, they play tomorrow, yeah, right? They right. played yesterday. They yeah. play tomorrow. They play uh, the next day. They play on Wednesday. That means that he's going to be, he's in the middle of three games and four nights again. And sometimes you get caught in the middle of the, in the schedule and these little groups of three games and four nights hide and they don't go away. So you can have a game on Sunday, a game on Tuesday and Wednesday, and then a game on Friday. And that means that you had, you know, again, two sets of three games and four nights hidden inside of that. And so I, it takes its toll. It takes its toll on everybody. And, uh, you know, you hope that he, he busts through the wall here and his body just kind of is a way to heal up. Um, but you never know. I mean, this could be a, a thing where he does need to sit for a do and catch his breath and, and let his body heal. That's what I was going to ask you, James. I mean, do you, do you think he should sit a game? Um, do you think he will sit a game? I don't think he will. I'm not exactly sure he should either. But what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're looking at the the long schedule of the season, right? It like sometimes you do have to err on the side of caution with a player like this who who again carries so much of the weight. Um if he thinks he can go, I usually let him go. But I also I've talked to you guys about this before. They the Kings track everything, right? They'll pull players in and they've got like a a you know, like a a meter and che- uh, that can check the flexibility of, of their knees and of their ankles. Like they do tests to make sure that there isn't weird swelling going on that the people aren't seeing or, or that, uh, you know, they, they do the jump tests before and after they warm up before every game. And so they're tracking to see what his body looks like, mm-hmm. just the mechanics of it. But there is no like true predictor for, for injuries. You have no idea when a player is going to just like accidentally roll his ankle, like what happened to Trey Lyles um, the other, the other day, or, you know, he missed last game because he rolled an ankle on just, wasn't he just backpedaling down the court? Yeah. And just like took a bad step and and rolled his ankle. Like there's no way to predict those things. Um, Or like Alex Len, where a player rolled up on him and, and uh, he had a high ankle sprain. So what you're hoping for is that you can see when a body is starting to, like need more rest, it's going to be in decline and you need to figure out a way to, to help him. So whether it's like more stretching, whether it's taking a day or two off of practice and, and having him just sort of watch whether it's more ice tub or, you know, whatever it is, you got to figure out a way to, to like bandage these guys up and hold them together with glue at some point and, and hopefully get them through a tough stretch until their body just magically finds a way to heal up, which does happen. And so it's tough, but uh, you know, this is, this is part of basketball. Is this team soft? Um, I would like to say yes right away, but then there are some nights where they're just not at all. Right. Yeah. And so, so I would like, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, like, if anyone ever wants to call Domana Sabonis soft, like, eh, no. I mean, that's a lunch pail dude who who gets hit more than any player I've ever seen on an NBA court. So I'm, I'm going to say they have some players who uh, that are playing soft or that might be mentally soft or who are showing that they might be soft, but they also have some guys that are just flat-out ballers, you know, that that – will go in there and, and mix it up amongst the trees 
whether that's Dearn, whether that's, you know, uh, Malik Monk, like these guys are, are out there playing really hard. And again, like Chris Duarte, there's, you can't call Chris Duarte soft. Yeah. And I like think he'll, he'll foul you for calling him soft. Like it's, just like, it's why games like yesterday stand out a little bit more than the others, not just the, you know, the 30 point loss and the 50 point deficit, but the fact that like, it didn't feel like De'Aaron was doing the stuff he normally did. Like De'Aaron, you talk about getting in there, mixing it in with the trees. Didn't feel like De'Aaron was doing that. Um, didn't feel like Malik was doing that. Like I can remember distinctively a couple of guy, a couple of times guys, Davion Mitchell specifically, Kevin Herter specifically tried to get to the rack. They just kind of like lost the ball. You know, they kind of go fumbling around with it. And I didn't know if that was just the day was off. It was just a bad day for everybody. Or if that's the Pelicans, the Pelicans had them shook up and they saw something and it's just nothing worked for them yesterday. And they were trying to shoot them where that shoot themselves back into a game that went from a 20-point deficit to a 40-point deficit in a span of two minutes. Yeah, and that's their default setting is to try to shoot their way back into it from the perimeter. And when you don't have your legs, that's the worst thing you can do. So, yeah, I, I don't think they are. Like, again, you go toe-to-toe against Toronto and find a way to get through that team. That team's not soft at all. Uh, and you could say the same thing about a lot of the teams that they're playing like the Pelicans are just a bad matchup and I don't know why they're such a bad matchup. Um, but you know, like even the Valanchunas Sabonis matchup, uh, like they're really close because they both play for the Lithuanian national team. Mm-hmm. And like Jonas Valanchunas, like he's excited to play against Sabonis. He wants to go in there and battle Sabonis and he, he'll have a big game against Sabonis. So uh, are the Kings as tough as the Pelicans? No. But like, there's a lot of like varying degrees of toughness that that are that is in the NBA, and I think they just have to find consistency more than anything else, and not worry about that. Well, we're headed out to Houston. Uh, the Michigan Wolverines will win their sec their their first national championship since 1997 against the lowly Washington Huskies. You can hear the coronation of the Michigan Wolverines. Let's go, baby. Next, let's go right here. Sacramento Sports Leader. By the way, we're going over to 102.5. Vamos, Michigan. Go blue. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 